my hiding mic, Tene Hotaka. You are with the panel on RNZ National. I just see in the New Zealand Herald, Samori Halberg, considered one of the New Zealand's greatest ever athletes, has died. He's passed away at the age of 89, the Herald has confirmed. Halberg was best known for winning the 5,000 gold medal at the 1960 Olympics in Rome while he also won gold at the Commonwealth Games in 1958 and 1962 in the three miles race. You may have thoughts, memories of Sir Murray Halmberg. You can text me on that uh, 2101. Also today, mandatory reporting of children at a high risk of harm. This is what a panel has recommended today in the wake of the death of Malachi Subex. Also, more New Zealanders are falling behind in their personal and home loan repayments. Over 15,000 mortgage accounts missing uh, their payments. Are you starting to feel the pinch? And yesterday we talked about Finland. Prime Minister Sanna Marin is here. What makes this small nation succeed socially and economically? Maria Malalakte is from Finland and is with us this afternoon. And an article in the Washington Post asked why, or told us why you should almost always wash your clothes on cold. And I thought, no, because it doesn't get your clothes clean. Who washes in cold? You can text me, 2101. You can email the panel at rnz.co.nz. With me this afternoon, Chris Finlayson, former Attorney General, National MP and Minister Chris, welcome to the panel. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure, and for the very first time on this program, Julie Woods. Julie's a professional speaker, author, and coach, ambassador for blow for blind low vision NZ. Julie Cura, it's lovely to have you with us for your first time. Cura Wallace, um, Cura Chris, and thank you for having me on. I'm very excited to be a Are panelist, you? Wallace. Yeah, very good, because I know you're a listener. <laughs> but I also understand you're an international nude touch rugby referee? Yes, I am. I've had three outings as an international nude touch rugby referee against um, the nude blacks when they played England in 2004 and then Fiji in 2011 and then England again in 2014. How very interesting. Well, uh, we could delve more into it uh, because it's (laughs) fascinating and uh, if you have paid nude touch rugby um, get in touch with us. Uh, what do you see in it? But this is interesting. New Zealand pilots are pouring cold water on international suggestions that we could soon have passenger aircraft manned by just one pilot. The European Union Aviation Safety Agency says that single pilot flights could be a reality by 2027. With us uh, is the New Zealand Airline Pilots Association President, Captain Andrew Ridling. Andrew, kia ora. I understand you're with us from South Korea, is that right? That's that's correct, and kia ora to you too, uh, Wallace. Kia ora. So, look, the issue has flown under the radar, excuse the pun, uh, Andrew, but explain the issue. Well, I think the core issue here is commercial aviation is probably the world's safest form of transportation. And it's got that way because we've got some very sound safety uh, and regulatory systems based around it. And the core reason is basically having well-trained pilots who, who fly, you know, who are, are well-rested, 
well-trained, and are actually flying through crowded skies uh, all through the hours of uh, the night and day at the moment. And it requires two people to do that, not one. When I thought, when I, one of the reasons why I picked this up, Andrew, was I thought, well, hang on, isn't this a no-brainer? Um, I never knew you could fly with one pilot. Well, there's always one pilot flying the aeroplane and the other pilot yeah, I know. the navigational systems and the, the uh, communications and the multiple, uh, you know, systems get more and more multiple uh, technologies crossing each other. The second pilot is um, uh, taking care of that system, those systems. But there's also the medical safety. And you will have heard last week um, there was an incident with American Eagle, which is an American uh, part of American Airlines in the U.S., from a flight to Chicago to Hawaii, uh, so Ohio, um, where the pilot died on takeoff. Oh, yeah. And it was lucky that the co-pilot could return the aircraft back to Chicago. Good grief. Um, if we just had one pilot on board, uh, there may have been more than one death, unfortunately. Well, that's exactly, uh, shall we start with Julie on this one? That's exactly what I was thinking of, uh, Julie. Uh, if something happens, there's another person there. As a passenger, one will, I would feel a little uncomfortable. Well, it's troubleshooting, isn't it, which is um, useful. I would think when you're flying a plane, I wondered, Andrew, has this conversation come up as a result of, you know, potential, um, you know, non-human pilots flying planes, ultimately self-driver planes um, in the future? Is that why this has come about or is it, what's the reason for it? I think you're right. Um, The the first core tranche of it came out of Airbus a while ago, and obviously other manufacturers are trying to keep up uh, to full, to full, full automa- automation uh, along the ways. And, you know, we fully support uh, any developments that improve the current safety and security standards around commercial aircraft. And there's been some amazing developments over the last 30 years of my career, uh, including things like uh, a TCAS, which is uh, collision avoidance systems, which stops two airplanes hitting each other now. The computers talk to each other, you know, enhanced uh, ground proximity warning systems, which, you know, is an independent database of all the terrain in the world to warn you of it. Now, these technologies uh, were fantastic developments for commercial aviation, Mm. but removing the redundancy systems out now without fully testing them, I think is probably a step too far. Uh, Chris Finlayson, what do you think? Would you be comfortable uh, with uh, having just one person in the cockpit? No, I wouldn't be. And I assume this doesn't apply to international flights because, I mean, it's unthinkable that if you're on NZ7 from San Francisco to Auckland, there'd only be one pilot, so they'd need to be back up there. But domestically, no, I think there are so many variables. I acknowledge what a safe form of uh, transport, air transport is, but I would be distinctly uncomfortable. And the example given of American Eagle um, highlights why Mm. the unknowns can uh, cause immeasurable damage. And, of course, if one plane goes down, it's not just the pilot who's killed, but with the Airbus A321 operating on our routes, it would be over 200 people who would die. So this is uh, it could be a reality by 2027, but how realistic is it actually, Andrew? Well, yeah, I think that the technology is being developed and we do support the development of technology for the basis of safety. Whether, you know, it's obviously there or thereabouts at the moment because the the Air Forces around the world are flying drones and they're doing it from the ground. 
um, how many incidents we we don't know about. So the technology is getting there, and we do support that technology being introduced. But I don't think we can go to that next step yet and start removing the human out of the system and feel fairly confident that it will continue in in the way it is in such a safe uh, technologies. Jeanette does say, Wallace, there is only one pilot on Westport to Wellington flights. It only takes one person to drive a car or drive a bus. And, and on smaller aircraft, that's actually correct. Um, you can fly a three-seater, a four-seater or a six-seater, just a single pilot. But when you start getting into the uh, yeah, commercial aviation, where you've got multiple complex systems around navigations, communications, we really do advocate, and, and the system is based around one pilot always flying the aeroplane and concentrating on that. The second pilot uh, is looking after, as I say, the systems, the communications, and the navigation. Um, and I, I think it's, it's worth putting the poor tenants out there of being an airline pilot, and um, that is that our passengers are our number one. They're their first and our greatest responsibility. Uh, and so safety is, is, is the built the tenant behind all that. Quite a bit of response on this, Andrew, so uh, you might get uh, a bit more uh, out of this and we might even come back to it. Uh, So for now, though, uh, Captain Andrew Riddling, thanks for your time. Thanks, Wallace. Really appreciate it. By the way, am I right in saying that you are in the demilitarised zone in South Korea? No, I'm not there at the moment. I'm just in in South Korea. I was at the demilitarised zone yesterday. It was fascinating. Yeah, what was it like? Uh, Oh, fantastic. I didn't realise it was actually not part of Korea, the DMZ. It's actually UN territory. But people do live in there, so... um, Good heavens. Well worth... Well, it was an extremely educational uh, visit. All right, thanks, Andrew. Uh, It is uh, five to four. You're on the panel. Chris Finlayson with us, and also for the first time, Julie Woods. Uh, Actually, a big response regarding uh, washing. Captain says, I wash all my clothing in cold. A lot of my clothes have some spandex and they seem to last longer with cold treatment. I don't believe it. I don't buy it. I I can't see how you'd wash your clothes in cold. We'll get to that later on. And by the way, if you haven't heard, New Zealand athletics legend Sir Murray Halberg has died, aged 89. Uh, We talk about that at 20 past four today. All right, time for I've Been Thinking, Julie Woods. I've been thinking, your very first, take it away. (laughs) I've been thinking, Wallace, uh, for a very long time about sending Governor of the Reserve Bank, Adrian Orr, his name in Braille as part of my dream to write one million names in Braille. And I did it this week. I uh, wrote it on a card with a print copy of the alphabet so he could decipher it. And I put it in a Christmas card and said, please accept this non-inflationary gift this huh. Christmas, um, knowing that you are one in a million. Love, Julie Woods. And I also made him a Braille bookmark, Wallace, um, which had Cool the Jets on it. <laughs> uh, did he reply back? Uh, well, I, I sent it on Tuesday, oh. and I'm thinking it could be there today, but he hasn't replied yet. So if you're listening, Adrian, <laughs> text 2101. <laughs> Adrian, or uh, if you are listening, have you received uh, a Braille uh, a bookmark uh, with a call the Jets? <laughs> Thank you, Julie. Lovely to have you on the program. You. All right, Chris Finlayson, I've been thinking.
Yes, well, I've been thinking that often when I come on this program, I appear to be grumpy or so my friends tell me. That's right. But I feel, <laughs> I, but I, feel I have to comment on the most recent embroligo involving the Arts Council. Arts on Tour are an organisation that have done sterling work for many decades. And when I chaired the Arts Board, this was an organisation which went to lots of little centres to bring the arts to all New Zealanders, and the arts simply aren't about central Wellington. Uh, they're about Greymouth and Stewart Island and so on, and I just think it's such a, an appalling decision following on from their hopeless decision uh, in relation to the Shakespeare competition, which wisely the government uh, uh, bailed them out on. And so what I've been thinking is that the the council of the arts council is so bad if I were a Labour Minister for the Arts, I would sack them and I would ask if, if they could get Helen Clark to be Chair of the Arts Council, that, that would be fantastic because she was an excellent minister uh, just before me. And the alternative would be Steve Chadwick, the former Mayor of Rotorua, who is, has a real commitment to the arts. But something's got to happen because the leadership of that organisation keep making bad mistakes. And I say that as an alumnus of the Arts Council because I served on it for six years. Oh, did you? Yeah. Okay, so well, it's been funded for 27 years. It seems to be, Chris, that um, who would be hit would be these very, very small towns. So without this, what sort of arts tours might they get? Well, they won't get arts tours, but there will be lots of little towns that are creative. And uh, I recall um, Sandra Gowdy when she was MP for the Coromandel taking me to one little town because there was a uh, a play on that uh, she thought I would be interested in and it was actually very, very good. But this is a way of bringing the arts out into the community. Uh, and, you know, it's just very, very disappointing that the current Arts Council are so tin-eared, they don't seem to understand these important matters. So I really do think I shall start a Helen Clark for CNZ chair campaign. <laughs> uh, we might um, that, we might come back to that uh, next week, actually. Very interesting issue. Kia ora, Chris. Uh, Julie, you're on the panel, RNZ National.